Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. Welcome to On Mohawk Time. I am your host, Joyce Jonathan Crone. Welcome to a new month and a new year, 2024. New yaw, new yaw. When I was growing up on the Six Nations of the Grand, New Year was a very special time. New Year's Day, there was a tradition where all of the children would take a bag and walk from home to home, from house to house. I lived in the heart of the First Nations community in Oshwigan. And we would go to the door and say, New Yah, New Yah, which meant New Year, New Year. And the owner of the home would come along and give us baked goods. It was kind of like Halloween via Indigenous style. So it was great to get baked goods, homemade cookies, homemade donuts. That's what my mom made, either homemade bread or homemade donuts. So new yah, new yah to everyone. And February is storytelling month. And with that in mind, I do have some personal rants and thoughts and stories to share with you. Our tradition, as you know, traditionally was oral stories passed down. And that they continued to be shared, shared knowledge, wisdom, and teachings. So by stories, I don't mean a legend that may not be true. I mean where the elders would gather everyone in and you would listen. You would be silent and listening with your heart first before your mind, listening with your the way you were created, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. So... Stories can be facts, stories can be knowledge, and stories can be remembrances. We all have stories. We all have a narrative from the time we were conceived until the time we die. It's our story. And stories are unique. Someone once said, you can't walk into the future backwards. We must be open and learn and come to a what I would say an understanding of cultures all cultures and you know when the, when the world says otherwise there are times now that we have been living in a bubble and we know when those times were that we have um, not been out there in the community or forming relationships and I grew up the opposite of that I grew up in a community. I grew up in relationship. And I grew up learning about my environment and and loving nature and being outside all the time, being in community with nature. And little did I know that now that I'm an adult, that that is what it is meant to be part of the land, to have a relationship and a kinship with the land. So, I was brought up as many of you were to have kindness, compassion, love, and love especially to be at the forefront of who you who you are as a person and to be there for other people, to be in relationship. 
with so many things that are happening these days and wars, disease, hate, and division, it's hard to sort it all out. And it's easy to turn a blind eye to others or to what's happening on the other side of the world. But I think we can't, we cannot do that any longer. We have to take a look and self-reflect and be able to change our narrative. And what does that mean? We, from my point of view, have to look at weaving our lives and, and braiding relationship, braiding connection to self, others, and community, and to our spirits and who we are, to reclaim belonging and connection. So I do hope that you're not tired of hearing what that means to be in connection with the land, to be in connection to one another. And I am not a preacher, but I am preaching goodness and care, the opposite of what at times the world says we should be learning and what is acceptable. So I'm asking you to take some time today to listen, to not change that dial. I know I have been um, on air for about a year now, thanks to Hunter's Bay Radio. And it's so appreciated. And I know I have a small following in this community of, of people who uh, listen every month. And I'm hoping that grows. I'm hoping that in the future, you will tune in, you will go back to the SoundCloud and listen and pick up all of the stories and all of the knowledge and wisdom that's been shared over the last year. Some of it has been very, very hard. And so I wanted to start today speaking to Mother Earth, not necessarily a land acknowledgement, but what I would call a letter, a letter to Mother Earth. Dear Mother Earth, thank you. Thank you for your provisions of life. Thank you for your ability to feed and sustain us. We are part of you and you are part of us. We are deeply connected to you. Let's bring our minds together as one. Let us be grateful. Our kinship with all that you are. By that I mean the birds, the four-footed ones, the life-giving tall ones, the trees, the plants we eat and their medicines they provide, the soil and the waters of the world. Let us not take you, the earth, the land, Mother Earth, for granted. And if we do, let us acknowledge that and let us change our ways. We are here on this earth for but a brief whisper of time. Let us remember this and live with compassion and grace. Grace for ourselves, our families, and our community and the, the world at large, grace for the land. Ultimately, there is no room 
for dislike and selfishness, for disrespect and disregard for you, the land. You have been here and will continue to be here when we are gone. Let us work so hard with our hearts, with our hearts first. Let us listen to you, the earth. Help us to understand the reciprocal relationship that we have, our kinship with you. Let us not take you for granted. Nyawa Mother Earth. Nyawa Goa. So in saying that, we as a Muskoka community need to think very hard about our priorities. I know we live on beautiful lands and to be change makers, to see change for the environment, for the land, for each other, for this community, we really must have what's called a collective sense of the future to build a community commitment, a community devoted to, to change. And to do this, we must listen. And you might ask, well, why? Why do we need to change? What needs to change? I'll give you a quick story about it. Um, I do live in the Huntsville community and I would say more than once a month, I walk or run up and down my road, my little side road where there is constantly garbage being thrown into the ditches, onto the road, whatever it may be. And I have trouble understanding that. I go along my road and I pick up garbage on a regular basis. Sometimes it's bagfuls. Sometimes it's one or two cups or cans or bottles. And I feel that I, that's important. And I'm not praising myself for doing that. I'm just giving you an example of one small little step, a little action of change that we, we can all do. I know there's lots of people who care out there. I know that. But once again, let's self-reflect and take a moment to think, what can I do for my part? What can I do not only for the earth, for the land that we live on here in Muskoka, but what can I do to be a change maker for the future so that we do not have hate, we do not have uh, people who don't care about one another or their community. And with that, let's take a break. You're listening to 88.7 Hunter's Bay Radio. By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. Welcome back. Well, we do all have 
childhood memories and stories and some fond and some not so fond. So I grew up as a res kid. And by that, I mean, I was born in Hamilton, Ontario and lived on Six Nations of the Grand. Went to school there until I went to high school. And so what does that mean to be a res kid? How is it different than being a Muskoka kid? People think it is different. I felt like I was just living in the country. Although I faced discrimination when I would step off of my reserve, I also faced it on my reserve, stereotypes, racism. So what does it mean? What does that mean? It may not be what you think. I grew up in a middle-class family. My father worked hard. He worked 10 to 12 hours, and by that I mean we had a hobby farm of about 100 to 150 acres of land, and we had a barn filled with uh, cows, pigs, chickens. So there was farm work to do. There was work that six daughters had to tend to and help out with no boys. And then my father went to work in Hamilton, Ontario, and was a hoisting engineer. My mom started out as a supply teacher on, on the, on our, in our First Nations community. And she actually was teaching me for a while as a supply teacher and went back to school and got her teaching degree and became a full-time educator. So my family did work hard. My parents were dedicated and loving and caring. We were provided for. We lived in a home when I was very, very young, when I was born, that had an outhouse. And when I was about three to four years old, we built our own home as six girls and a mom and dad. Of course, we had help. But again, we helped out and my mom and dad taught us. So there is something out there called, and, and I share that because automatically when I say I'm a res kid, it might conjure up thoughts. You might think, oh, poor, poor little, poor little Indian girl growing up poor. But again, that is called, and I wanted to share that with you, it's called unconscious bias. And what does unconscious bias mean? The definition of unconscious bias is a pre prejudice or attitude and that everyone should behave or act in a way that mainstream settler culture dictates. So I, I wanted to share how I grew up. And the reason is, is because the second half of the show is really about tidbits of information I wanted to give you or stories. And one story uh, that I wanted to share, a piece of information, is the film Killer of the Flower Moon starred the first American Indigenous woman, Lily Gladstone, 37 years old, who won a Golden Globe. And in her speech, she said, this award is for all the res kids, all the res kids. And as a res kid, I had that dream. I had a dream, as all kids do, of what can I become? Could I be an actress? Could I go to Hollywood? Could I be a 
um, flight attendant. I never thought I would be an educator, a teacher. But I had dreams and hopes like all children do, like Lily Gladstone had. So she has paved the way for all us little res kids, all of us who grew up hoping and dreaming. Another uh, piece of tidbit that I'd love to share with you is the story of our little friend Hope. Hope was a, or is and was, a small birch sapling donated by Sand Hill Nursery. And she was planted in Rivermill Park through the town of Huntsville and the parks, uh, parks and Rec. And so we appreciate that. And it was also part of Hope Arises project um, in Huntsville, our Indigenous-led not-for-profit. And so Little Hope was planted with the memory of Indigenous people, with the memory of those ancestors who have gone before us, and hope for the future for Indigenous and non-Indigenous people in our community. So what happened to Hope? Well, we know what beavers do. And Leave it to Beaver, a busy beaver, decided just before Christmas that our small sapling was a tasty treat. So, lo and behold, Hope was taken down and used as part of Mr. Beaver's home or lodging or food. And I don't begrudge our beaver friend. Beaver was just doing what beavers do and fending for himself, fending for his family and his lodge in the water. And so I wanted to share that uh, cute little story. Um, and as a writer, I also shared that um, as I write for the Huntsville Forester. So that is online if you wanted to read that story word for word. Just a little tidbit for the new year. And also we have experienced the uh, winter solstice, as you know, and yes, it was in December. As a reflection, I wanted to share that we are gaining three minutes of sunlight every 24 hours. So yes, lo and behold, as Mr. Beaver, we are hunkered down for the winter with storms coming in and out providing for our families, but we are also looking forward to the springtime and to the rebirth that happens during that time as well. And so just to finish off, I wanted to also share that um, in January, on January 4th, the Hope Arises had our third ribbon skirt making in Huntsville, and we have worked with our community partner, Huntsville, uh, Huntsville Library, for our first two ribbon skirts making uh, workshops and working with Terry Howell and Mary Spring, our local seamstresses. And so I wanted to do a shout out to them and uh, thank you to them and also to the town of Huntsville per for providing Partners Hall for our January 4th ribbon skirt making on National Indigenous Day. That day was significant, very significant and profound to be having uh, 
women in our community, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, create and design a, a ribbon skirt. Um, ribbon skirts do have deep meaning, and these women in a circle, a teaching circle, learned of the sacredness of ribbon skirts. And so I wanted to reflect on that day and just let you know um, how important community is and that we as Indigenous people of this community are so glad to be working and in community with you, the listener, and with you in our community. So thank you, Nyawekoa. Thank you for acts of reconciliation, for acts of listening, and acts of caring. Mm-hmm.